0: Welcome, everybody. You are listening to the VBAC Link Podcast. This is your host, Megan. Guys, I am so excited for this story today. This is Taylor, and she is from South Carolina. So Taylor, we're so excited to have you on today. I am going to share a little bit about our course. So normally we dive into reviews before we start the story, but I want to share a little bit more about our course So we wanted to let you guys know we have a VBAC prep course, and this prep course is for anybody wanting to explore their options for birth after cesarean. You may or may not know if VBAC is right for you, and this course is going to help you learn the pros, the cons to both VBAC and repeat cesarean. We're going to dive into the history, we're going to give you tools, we're going to give you things for you to take with your provider to help establish a better relationship and help find out if that provider truly is supportive for you, and of course, there's some more stories in there and so much more information. This course is created for any birthing parent looking to know their options, and then also Any birth worker wanting to expand their knowledge of VBAC and the history of VBAC and how to support future clients, especially if you're a doula on VBAC. Taylor is also a labor and delivery nurse, which is super exciting. So we're going to talk a little bit more even about that. I want to ask her some questions, but even labor and delivery nurses, midwives, any birth workers, this course is going to be great for you. So learn more about our course at the VBAClink.com.
1: You are tuned into the VBackLink podcast with Megan Heaton, who is a longtime doula and VBAC mom herself, here to help you get inspired for birth after having had a C-section. Along with this podcast, the VBAClink offers blogs, resources, and a comprehensive VBAC course for both parents preparing for birth and doulas wanting to take their VBAC education to the next level. Be sure to follow Megan and her team on all social media platforms for even more. Although these podcast episodes are VBAC specific, it is encouraged for all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a C-section from the get go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here is your host, Megan.
0: Okay, Taylor, I cannot wait for you to share your story. I was telling you in the beginning when I saw your face pop up on our Zoom when we were getting ready to record I just knew exactly who you were from your image I just remember seeing it and having all the feels so I can't wait to hear it from you like right from your voice so thank you so much for being here with us today Yes thank you for having me I'm so excited I seriously I'm so excited so I would love to turn the time over to you share away share this okay. wonderful story with the world
2: Okay. Well, gosh, there's so many things, but so with my first pregnancy, um, it was in 2020, July, 2020, I had my first baby, but that pregnancy was just very uneventful. It was great. I didn't have any issues. I strongly desired like an unmedicated natural birth, got my husband to read the Bradley method book like twice and yeah, I just was chugging along. I actually wasn't working labor and delivery yet. I was working mother baby. So, and that'll kind of come into play later because I just didn't know what I didn't know at the time. But so just kind of chugging along. And then I got to about 36 weeks and I just kind of felt like my feet were really itchy at night. And I ended up telling a friend and She said that in her first pregnancy, that happened to her, and she ended up having cholestasis. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Cholestasis. Yes. And so, of course, I was just like, oh, wow. And then I went down the Google hole, and I was like, oh, I have to tell my doctor. Like, this sounds so scary. And I know y'all have talked about cholestasis on your podcast before, but basically, It's kind of a random issue with your liver in pregnancy. And the worst case result is a stillbirth or arrhythmias in the baby, things like that. So my mind was just going straight to that. So Mm -hmm. I told my doctor and um, she was, of course, like, oh, yeah, you know, we need to draw some labs. And anyways, ended up drawing some labs and sent me on my way. And they take about like a week to come back. So I just was kind of going on with life. Which and is was, so crazy to me. Can I just say yeah. that? Like, this is a yeah. potential serious thing. Yeah. And it takes a week. Right. Yep. Uh, so, yeah. And she gave me some medicine to kind of, that was supposed to help, like, with the itching and, and things like that. But,
0: and I think it helps lower your enzyme, lo- liver enzyme levels, right?
2: Yeah. It's supposed to, it really is just supposed to kind of um, s- maybe s- slow things down. Mm-hmm. Tri- And so I took it and I just, I didn't really feel like it helped, but I took it. Of course, I wanted the best thing for my baby. Mm -hmm. So I get to a little over 37 weeks at this point. I think I was like 37 and three and I was just at home. We had this really bad storm and my husband was normally off this day. No, it was a Monday and he was working late and the power went out and after the storm, I went outside to try to send him a text and he was calling me and said, Hey, uh, have you talked to one of my best friends who works at the hospital with me? And she's been calling me, she's been trying to get a hold of you. And I just was like, No, I haven't had service. I lost, I mean, we lost power. So the Wi Fi went out. So I called her and she was at work and she just said, Taylor, um, you know, the doctor's been trying to call you your labs came back and you have cholestasis and they want you to come in tonight and I was just like what <laughs> what I'm going in hold on you know like I just <laughs> yeah, was yeah 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 so confused. wrap your mind
0: around it for a sec
2: <laughs> yeah and so and I could tell she was just kind of like really sad to even tell me to be the one to call me And because she knew that I just really wanted this, you know, Bradley method birth. Mm -hmm. And so my husband came home and I just was like, no, this is not what I wanted at all. Like I, uh, I just, and I just was kind of like, so sad. We ended up going in of course, because I just thought that was my only, they didn't give me any other option. So I just thought, okay, well I need to do what they say. And so I went in and I, yeah, I was a little over 37 weeks. And so they got me admitted. I ended up having a cervidil that night and I was closed by the way. My cervix was closed, um, thick and high. And so had a cervidil just thinking, oh, great. I'm going to have my baby probably tomorrow, you know? And, um, the next day rolls around, still closed, thick and high, had another cervidil, which, if anyone has not had a Cervidil, it's like a sandpaper mm. tampon. It is horrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And it's really horrible. So had a second one of those. And by the end of that day, still closed, ended up through, I went in Monday night. And between Monday night and Friday, I had had three Cervidils, cytotech orally and vaginally, and a whole day of Pitocin they tried to put a cook catheter through. Cause at some point I, the furthest I got was a fingertip basically. And the midwife was really, she was just trying so hard because I worked there and she knew um, I really wanted a vaginal delivery. And so she was actually really awesome, but they tried to put a cook catheter through my fingertip cervix. Ugh, it was horrible. And yeah. So Friday morning rolls around and They kind of came in and they were just like, yeah, there is really nothing else we can do at this point. I don't know why nothing's working, but the doctors had already been trying to have a C-section on Wednesday. So this was Friday. And um, I just remember feeling just so exhausted, so tired, and honestly, just in so much just pain from all the, all the things and i looked at my husband and i was just like i just i guess i just know like i know that i'm going to have to have a c section and they were just like yeah that's kind of your only option i ended up asking can i go home can i can i go to antepartum like can i just have some more time and they just said no we've done so much you have cholestasis already like you know if it was going to work it probably would have worked already so ended up having a pretty good c section it wasn't bad. I mean, it wasn't rushed. Nothing was wrong with my baby. Um, Like he wasn't in distress or anything. We actually didn't know it was a he. We didn't find out what he was until he was born. But yeah, I just was devastated. My husband was pretty devastated for me too. We both were like crying in the labor room all day till my C-section. And then we just came to terms with it and it was fine. So had my C-section, had my healthy little baby boy, Mason, and yeah, had an easy recovery. Uh, Went home and I just knew I was never going to have another C section. Like that was my mindset when I went home because even though it was smooth and nothing was um, an emergency or anything, I just felt like pretty devastated. And I just remember even months after he was born, I would just like cry in the shower thinking about it. And I was like, why am I feeling like this? I just never knew that. Your birth experience was just. Now I know it's just truly one of the most important things that you'll ever go through in life, and so, so I was determined if I was going to get pregnant again, I was going to have my V back. And so, fast forward, um, my little Mason turned one, and I that was in July, and I ended up finding out I was pregnant in September. Um, So he was a little over one and I was ready. Like I was going to do all my research and I started reading like all these books on VBACs and went to the doctor. And I knew at this point I was a labor and delivery nurse and my hospital actually is a community hospital and we don't have in-house anesthesia. So we technically don't do VBACs there. And so I went to my doctor and for my, you know, new appointment and she said, okay, well, you know, we can put you down for a repeat C-section since you've had one. And I said, no, I really, I really want to have a VBAC. And she, she was great. And she said, okay, well, we unfortunately don't do them here. So (laughs) the hospital that does is two hours away. And, uh, I said, okay, because I already knew that I knew she was going to say that. And I was like, I am doing this. And so, um, of course, you know, comes in the VBAC calculator and the biggest thing that everyone kept saying was, well, you know, your cervix never dilated with your first pregnancy. So, you know, that's kind of a concern, you know, we don't know why that, happened. But anyways, I just knew that's, I still had a chance. So did the VBAC calculator and yeah, I just planned on having my VBAC, went through my pregnancy and all my appointments, just knowing that that was what I wanted. I found the VBAC link podcast and um, listened to Mm y'all every day. Um, Yeah. And I listened to like VBAC birth stories. um, And yeah, it was just the best. So I was listening to all of those. And I remember I was like 20 something weeks pregnant and I was at work one day. And someone I worked with was just like, you know, I am totally for VBACs. Like, I think they're awesome, but I just don't know if you're a good candidate. And I just like, some, there was a reason why you never dilated. And I just remember I went in the bathroom and just cried. I was like, just devastated. And she didn't, she was not being mean at all. It was like an honest conversation. And, but I just, I texted my friend who had had a VBAC after two C-sections and she ended up being my doula with my VBAC. So I'll tell you more about her, but I texted her and I was just so devastated. And she's like, Taylor, that is just not even true. You know, you can do this. And so we, you know, I went forward and I got into later in pregnancy, started, you know, went to my chiropractor. I ate all the dates, drank the red raspberry leaf tea. I walked every day. I was chasing my toddler. I felt like I just was kind of healthier this pregnancy. And yeah, I ended up being referred to that hospital that's two hours away when I was at 36 weeks. And, um, it's a big teaching hospital. And so of course they were like, well, you know, we prefer probably to be induced around 39 weeks. And I said, nope, I am, I'm not going to be induced. Like I, I don't want that. Okay. Well, we definitely want you to deliver by the time you're 40 weeks. And I said, nope. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, um, but no, thanks. Yeah. I said, um, nope, I, I don't want to be induced. And the doctor was just kind of like, okay, um, well, then what we'll do is, you know, every week we'll check your cervix and do a membrane sweep and see, you know, if we can kind of get things moving. And um, after 40 weeks, you'll just have to come back for NSCs and things. And I said, nope. <laughs> I was like, I am. I Way to I, advocate <laughs> for yourself. Yes. I, oh my gosh, that. Was just comical looking back. In the moment, though, it was really scary because it is scary to tell a doctor no, especially because, you know, they we just assume that they know everything. I mean, even being a labor and delivery nurse, sometimes it's hard for me and I have to advocate for my patients and things. But in the moment, it was scary. But now I'm just so glad I did and so I ended up having an appointment at 39 weeks um, at my local OB here, and um, she was like, can I just check you, and maybe I can do, you know, a sweep, and I was just like, okay, but telling myself, okay, this is not going to change anything, like whether I'm closed, I just knew that It could be a trigger for me because, you know, the whole week of being induced with my son, everyone was just like, oh, you're still close. You're still close. Close, close, close. And so this time I was like, okay, I'm not going to let it be a trigger. It doesn't mean anything. So I let her check me. And, of course, I was closed. But I honestly, it didn't bother me. But of course the doctor was like, well, we'll have to talk to the other hospital and they're probably going to want you to be induced. And if you're not dilated by 40 weeks, then I just, I feel like they're going to want you to have a, a C-section. And I just left there and I was really just like, seriously, no no, I have come so far because I had my other baby, you know, so early. Well, it was ended up being 38 weeks because I was there so long, but I was like, no. And so I did not schedule another appointment. And I was like, I'm not going back until I have my baby, which, you know, probably not that smart, but I just knew I was going to pay attention to my body, pay attention to baby moving. And if I went too far past, I definitely would make an appointment. And, but I was like, I'm not right now. I can't think about that because I just don't want them to try to check me again. I don't want to have a weak moment and be induced. And so anyways, went on my way. And the day before my due date, I ended up drinking some uh, midwife's brew, castor oil, oh and... Drank that. Yeah. The day before my due date. And I ended up within a couple of hours, just having intense contractions, like every one to three minutes. And this lasted for a few hours. And my husband was like, okay, uh, is this like labor? You know, do we need to go? Because we had a two hour drive. So he ended up calling my friend, Cammie, who was going to go as my doula. She had had, like I said, a VBAC herself and at the same hospital two hours away. And so he calls Cammie, she comes over, and I was just really into these contractions. And she said, Yeah, you know, we still, we have a long drive, let's just go. And so these contractions continued the whole way down there. Uh, we get there at this point, it had been past midnight, so I'm 40 weeks on the dot. And uh, they checked me and I was closed. <laughs> Close thick and high oh, still.
0: I bet that's hard. That was hard.
2: Yeah, yeah, it was. And you know, I had been, I had actually had kind of just some like bloody show on the way there. So I just knew I was gonna be dilated. Yeah. And um, I was like, okay, I'm not dilated. This isn't real. This is just from the castor oil. I'm going home. And the resident was just like, Oh yeah, I don't think that's gonna happen. Like you're 40 weeks, you have a previous, you know, uterine scar. And I just, yeah, I don't think we can discharge you. And I just said, yes, you can. <laughs> actually. I don't think <laughs> we can discharge you. Yeah. Hello, I leave. I'm leaving. Yeah. And yeah. And um, I just remember like my husband was like, no, no, no. Because, you know, we had already been through so much with my first birth. And so I was like, yeah, actually, can you go talk to someone else? Like you're attending or someone I I'm leaving. I know if I sleep, my contractions will stop. I'm not worried. You know, I know all the risks and because they tried to tell me the risks so many times and, and I was like, yeah, I know all the risks and I still want to go home. And um, anyways, they came back in and actually they made me sign out AMA. And, um, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm a nurse and I'm signing out. Against- AMA.
0: <laughs> so against medical advice this is an AMA everybody. So, yes. and they'll, they'll say, they'll say scary things. Like if you sign this AMA, you might not be welcome back. Or if you sign this AMA insurance won't cover you when you yes. do come back. Or if you sign this AMA, no one's going to like help you. Like it's
2: just, they yep. scare you. Yes. And definitely, and honestly, if I hadn't just listened to so many people's birth stories and done so much research and I didn't know everything I knew, I probably would have been scared into staying, Mm -hmm. Um, which makes me sad for a lot of people because I I know I would not have had my baby vaginally if I would have stayed. So (laughs) I signed out AMA. And went home, slept the whole car ride home. And sure enough, my contractions stopped. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was 40 weeks at this point and, you know, slept most of the day, woke up in the middle of the night with these just intense seeming regular contractions. And I was like, oh, wow, maybe it's starting, you know, for real. And happened a couple of hours and ended up stopping. And so I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Well, that I guess that wasn't real. So fast forward a few more days and that happens every night and it was horrible. And so I had some nice prodromal labor. Yeah, it was horrible because I just kind of felt like, is labor ever actually going to start? Like, what in the world? Like, what is this? <laughs> and um. I just remember my friend, Cammie, who was my doula, she was just like, Taylor, you know, every contraction, your body is just getting ready. Okay. It's doing what it's supposed to do. Don't be discouraged. You know, you can do it. She was just so encouraging. And I just have to stop and say a good doula is just so key. Oh my gosh. I never even realized, even as a labor nurse, I never realized how important.
0: It's it's so true. It's so true. Yes. Yes
2: and my husband was so great too. He was awesome. But um, I was the day before I was 41 weeks. So I was 46. It was my birthday. So my husband and I um, just went to like a quick dinner out and um, we ended up stopping at the grocery store. And I had kind of had some random contractions that afternoon, like every, you know, I don't know, 15 minutes. But again, i had had this prodromal labor for a week. So I didn't believe anything was real and so we go to the grocery store after dinner and I kind of just felt like maybe I peed my pants and um, went to the bathroom and I was like oh maybe I did like because there wasn't much of anything and so I was like Caleb I think I I think maybe like I accidentally peed my pants or something I don't know but we need to go home We go home and I just laid down and then when I stood up, I felt like kind of a big gush and I was like, no, no, my water's not breaking right now Um, (laughs) because I was, I definitely was not like in labor and that was kind of my worst nightmare was my water breaking and not being in labor Mm -hmm. and so my, yeah. I definitely knew my water broke and I was like, okay, still feel baby moving. You know, everything feels fine. I am laying down. I'm just going to try to wait it out and see if maybe my contractions will start. And so I texted Cammy and told her, I think my water broke, but I'm going to lay down and see if maybe some contractions will start up. And so they did and they ended up being maybe every like four to five minutes for like an hour, two hours, but I ended up noticing some meconium in my fluid. And I just knew, okay, well, I guess we do have a two hour drive. You know, I wanted to just stay home so bad just because of the last time driving down there and still being closed. And so, but then I just knew, okay, you know, there's meconium and I have been contracting for about two hours. You know, maybe we'll just go head down. So on the way down there in the drive, I could totally tell that the contractions were spacing out and I just kept trying not to think about it, had my AirPods in. I was just listening to music, trying to be comfortable, trying to just relax as much as possible. And we get down to the hospital, get checked in basically they remembered me from the week before and they, I, it was actually the same <laughs> they nurse. They remembered me. <laughs> they did. They remembered me and they basically, instead of a triage room, they took me straight to a labor room. Like they were not going to let me go home. <laughs> this oh. time. And um, which of course I didn't, but I go in and there was just so many doctors. Cause like I said, it's a teaching hospital and there were so many people in the room they were just telling me all the risks again of having a uterine scar. And are you sure you don't want a C-section? And I was just like, no, I, I don't want one. I've already, you know, I've said this so many times. And, um, okay, well, you know, and I was super uncomfortable because all these people were there, bright lights on. And at this point, no contractions whatsoever. And, um, of course, they checked me and I was closed. And so I was just like, no, this is not real. This is my worst nightmare. Like, I can't believe this is happening because immediately. Yeah, so it,
0: frustrating.
2: Yeah. Immediately it was, okay, well, you need to sign this form. Just saying you don't want a C-section. And then we really want to start Pitocin. And um, I just said, yeah, no. I, I just need everyone to please just leave me alone for a little bit. Can I just ha- be alone in here? I was so overwhelmed and it was the middle of the night. And so they were like, uh, sure, well, we don't have much time because your water's been broken for, you know, a few hours and, you know, you're not having any contractions. So just know, you know, we've, we're going to come back and talk to you about the Pitocin. And I said, okay, that's fine. I just, please want to be left alone. I just want to sleep. So we ended up being able to sleep for a couple of hours and um, the next morning came around because it was already like 5 a.m. when we were there. So um, wake up and the day shift nurse comes on and um, she said, yeah, they're going to want to come in and talk to you. And I said, okay, I just want one person coming in. Like I was determined that I, because I'm kind of, I tend to be like a people pleaser. And so I was just like, no, I am not going to I'm not going to do that again. Cause last night was so uncomfortable with all these people in here. Labor totally stopped. I just want one doctor coming in. And she said, okay. And so, uh, a couple of hours later, a midwife walks in, I'm sure they were like, this girl's crazy. Who wants her? And, um, a midwife walked in and she was just so awesome and so calm and asked me what I wanted. And I said, I just really don't want Pitocin. I want a VBAC so bad. And she was like, Okay. And basically just said, well, how about you pump for a little bit, try to do like some nipple stimulation, see if we can get some contractions started. And, um, and she's like, I really wish that, I could tell you to take some midwife's brew. I guess she had worked at a birth center for like 12 years before this teaching hospital. And I said, I have all the ingredients, like, don't worry. And she said, okay, well, if you take it, you know, don't tell me. And um, it could take a few hours. So I'm just going to leave you alone for a while and we'll see if, you know, your contractions will start up. And I was just so thankful. Like I just, that just kept the momentum going because I kind of felt at a loss before that like, oh, I'm going to have to have Pitocin. And anyways, take the midwife sprue and pump. And that afternoon, it was a few hours later, I did start having contractions. And at this point, it was like 18 hours after my water had broken. And so, yeah, started having contractions and um, the midwife went off and a new doctor came on and they checked me and I was one, I was one centimeter and I was just like, oh my gosh, like my cervix dilated. Oh my gosh. Like, I can't believe this is happening. You know, just even though I was just one, I remember high-fiving the resident. I was like, yes, this is happening. And, um, (laughs) Little did I know I still had a long way to go, but yeah. And so they were like, all right, we really want to start Pitocin. You know, you're just really not progressing very much, but one is good, but we want to start Pit. So I said, okay, I want the absolute lowest dose and I want it like just as low as you can go basically. And they said, okay, we can do that. We'll start, you know, low, low. And my night shift nurse was amazing. And so they started the Pitocin literally after an hour, they had to shut it off. I just started contracting so much and it was really intense. And it was like every, I mean, every two minutes at least, like every one to two minutes. And they had to shut it off because I was contracting too much. And so I was in and out of the shower. I mean, just throwing up, like, felt like I was in transition. Um, It was that intense for hours. And um, I think maybe four hours of just sleeping between contractions, again, up to the shower, just, like, walking around the room, not being able to focus on anything but the contractions. My husband and my doula were like, man, we really feel like she's been acting like transition, this for hours maybe, you know, Taylor, do you want to be rechecked? And so at like 2 AM, they came in and they rechecked me and I was two. And after all of that, like legitimately thought the baby was coming and I was two. And the doctor was actually very happy about that. She was like, you're two, you know, that's awesome. I just really actually loved this doctor that was on but of course, me, my husband and my doula were like, seriously, too? Like, it just felt like all the air was sucked out of the room because we were all exhausted. And I just truly did. I mean, I didn't know what I was going to do. And they really wanted to start the Pitocin back up because they were like, well, maybe these contractions just aren't strong enough. And I was just like, I can't. I, I just don't think I can. Do this plus more Pitocin. Like, this is just so intense. So, they're, you know, talking to me. I'm still having these really intense contractions, like, while we're talking. And they leave the room. My husband goes out because he just wants to know, like, how he can continue to be positive for me because he just basically just wanted to know, like, if something was wrong. And so he leaves the room. And, uh, my doula and I, I was just telling her, I was like, is something wrong with me? Like I'm crying and I'm just like, you know, maybe my body is just not made for this. Like maybe I really can't do it. And, you know, we all were sitting there and just, she was just trying to be encouraging and doctor comes back in and she's like, Taylor, I just really think you need to rest. Because at this point I did not have any pain medicine. I didn't have an epidural. I i was still determined. I was going to have my unmedicated birth. And so, ended up going back and forth for a while. I no, I don't want to an epidural and agreed to some pain medicine, got to sleep for a little bit. And then I did end up getting an epidural around like 530 in the morning. And we all got to sleep for a little while and wake up, you know, next day, my day shift nurse came on and she's like, okay, we are going to change your position. Like, we are going to get on this. We are going to have a baby. Like, and I still hadn't had much Pitocin because I was still just contracting so much on my own. And mm-hmm. um, my nurse was just amazing. And she, we did like a whole circuit of all these positions, which actually I already knew from being a nurse, but a lot of people don't do them. And I had actually taken a class that she had taken too. And it was kind of like a spinning babies class. Oh, and, um, and so I was just like, oh my gosh, like what are the odds that I get this girl? And I just was so happy. So we just did all this stuff and I started feeling all the contractions again. And um, I was like, okay, well, maybe, you know, maybe the baby's in a weird position or whatnot. So they came in to check me and the the doctor was like in there for a while and I was like, Great, she's trying to find my cervix, can't find it. <laughs> like oh wow, I'm still two probably. And she was like, yeah, (laughs) it's gone. Yeah. Or it's gone. And she was like, okay, um, well you're nine. Oh, (laughs) really
0: actually. (laughs) Yeah.
2: And I was like, oh my gosh, what? Like, are you serious? I'm nine. Like, you know, because all this emotion just came flooding because everyone had said, oh, you, you know, you probably won't dilate again. Or all these things, and I was just like, "I'm nine! Oh my gosh!" Anyways, so ended up just having super smooth delivery. Like, was complete. I just felt like the baby was coming out. Told my doula, she's like, "Yep, baby's coming out." And went and got my nurse, and I pushed a few times, and boom, uh, she came out, which I didn't know was a girl till she came out. And um, yeah, I just remember being like, "Y'all, I." did this I cannot believe this I just was in so much shock I did I didn't like cry or anything I just was like yes to everyone who told me I couldn't do it yeah and it was just amazing when she finally yeah I just couldn't believe it I still can't believe that I did it yeah. but um, yeah well so. when so
0: many people place doubt we start even though we believe that we can do it we start believing that we can't we start believing that doubt. Yes. right like and then having to go through all of what you had to go through and like sign an ama and like then kind of return at the same stage like all these things like yeah that could be a time where you're going to let self doubt get to
2: you yeah so but you oh, did it
0: amazing. yes <laughs> i <laughs> did oh you still can't believe did it did it oh that's awesome congratulations i i love stories where it's I kind of like love the doubt stories and I know it sounds really bad, but like, mm-hmm. I, I love, I, I have this weird thing. I love proving things wrong, I guess. Like, cause I did the same thing. Like my doctor t- doubted me and was like, yeah, no one's going to want you out there. You know? Yeah. And I was like, oh yeah, you watch me. <laughs> like yes. you watch me. It like kind of like drove me even further. So yes. I love it. I love that you stuck with it. You advocated you and your husband like together, just so awesome. And then having that total shift of like positivity and let's do this, we're going to have a baby. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, that's, it's so important. So I want to talk a little bit about labor and delivery nurses, as you are a labor and delivery nurse, you know, what, what could you, what, I guess, tips, maybe (laughs) suggestions would you give to people that are on the other side, right? Like you were like giving birth and wanting certain things and maybe having a labor and delivery nurse that maybe isn't as supportive about your wishes or pushing hard, Mm -hmm. um, whether it be them or the provider pushing hard against
2: them. What would you suggest? Yes. So my just number one, number one thing is always like try so hard to research and just Educate yourself before you go in. Mm -hmm. But the biggest thing is asking questions at like, if you're not sure about something um, or if you, let's say, you know, someone, they want to come in and break your water and you're just like, okay, I don't know anything about that, but Mm -hmm. I don't actually know that I want to do that. And you don't feel good about it. You don't have to do it. You Mm -hmm. can say no. Mm -hmm. Um, I think people don't realize that they can say no or at least ask more questions about it. That is what just, even as a nurse, I always tell my patients, you know, if, if a doctor comes in and wants to do something, I say, okay, are you okay with that? Do you have any questions or yeah, just really advocate, advocate, advocate for yourself because if you, I mean, luckily I had an awesome doula and, and get a doula. <laughs> yes. Um, I had an awesome doula who kind of And my husband could bring me back down to earth and just say, Taylor, no, you don't want this. Or are you sure about that? Why don't we ask some questions, but definitely just advocate, advocate, advocate and ask questions if they want you to be induced. Why is there like actual reason? What other options do you have? Ask Mm -hmm. options. Mm -hmm. Um, and like same when I had cholestasis, I didn't know that I could have had another option. My value was not high at all. My bile acids, it was only 16. Um, and yes and so i didn't know maybe i could have asked like could you trend that do i have to come in tonight um yeah. you know and so yeah i didn't know what i didn't know then and i think a lot of people probably are like that you know you don't know and but and
0: you don't even know that there are different numbers that could make it seem like you don't need to go in right then
2: right you know yes so yeah advocate for yourself ask questions and you know you know yourself better than anybody
0: Yes, oh, I love that. I love that so much. Uh, Thank you so much again for being with us today. I love your story. It's just so heartache coming in, and there's so many times where you're like, "Oh, it's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen." Mm -hmm. But look at what patience and time, and making choices like getting an epidural and getting rest. Like your body was able to rest and. Mm -hmm. Yet the rest it needed to progress, and the relaxation that it needed. A lot of people say you can't have a VBAC without a an epidural. Some people you say you have to have a VBAC with an epidural. You know, it just it is dependent on that person and that situation, and you make the decisions that are best for you. And it looked like
2: you nailed it. Yes, thank you so much for having me on here. I still thank you so much, Megan.
0: Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, Kay, I can't wait for everyone to hear your story.
1: Interested in sharing your VBAC story on the podcast? Submit your story at thevbaclink.com slash share. For information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, and Julie and Megan's bios, head over to com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.